Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. everyone this is <laughs> podcasting in the morning with jillian swinford and Haley brillison <laughs> we have our coffee and we're we think we're ready we think we're ready <laughs> jillian is a little hungover from celebrating Corey's birthday last night oh my god i even wrote on his facebook and said happy birthday and i completely oh. forgot it was his birthday well, it, his birthday is Wednesday. Um, okay. It was fun. We just had pe- some people over. I filled up the pool. Um, and we all got in later. It's it's like a 10 foot across, like above ground pool. So it's like, we call it the tepid tub. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it's not a hot tub. But it's not really a cold tub either. Because <laughs> it <laughs> warms up way too quickly. Um, but yeah, so we just had people over and we did like a little fakey luau kind of deal with the food. And Corey made a passion fruit tart that was really, really, or cheesecake that was really, really good. So yeah, it was good. I'm just, That's didn't good. go, didn't go to bed till like one o'clock in the morning. So I'm a little... I'm a little tired. You know, maybe it's better though, because I feel like my voice is sounding, you know, calmer, more relaxed. <laughs> maybe you should have picked the death story for this. Like, and then he died of starvation, and all was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was talking to my friend about how we have this podcast and uh, we do the little, um, good thing at the end of it mm-hmm. because like most of the time it's pretty morbid mm-hmm. she was like yeah that'd be one way to end a podcast just like <laughs> the end yeah fair story I got that idea from my favorite murder uh because they oh, do true. um f- uh, fucking hoorays at the end that's what fucking they call hoorays. them that's and fun. yeah and so they it's sometimes about them sometimes I'll read other people's that get sent in but it is a better way I think to end some of these podcasts <laughs> yeah it really is though I mean even when everybody survives you're still talking about really morbid stuff like going through something that's so bodily horrifying you know like getting frostbite losing toes you know yeah so yeah it's, it's still gross <laughs> even if they do survive I think the best one we had was uh the Apollo 13 because nobody got real injured or anything they were just you know stuck in a 
like a you know module in space basically for four days <laughs> yeah that <laughs> space weirds me out when it comes yeah. to that stuff I don't trust that yeah I I even if <laughs> going to space was accessible in any kind of way I don't think I would I'd be like no thank you <laughs> well apparently it might be soon those two rich dudes just like mm-hmm. did it I mean, if you're rich, yeah, it's feasible. <laughs> yeah, was it? Was one of them more like to do it just for shits and giggles? And then the other one was like actually trying to have some sort of like tourism to space. Thing? Yeah, I, I really honestly have not paid attention. I've only been looking at the Jeff Bezos dick rocket memes because his <laughs> rocket absolutely looked like a penis. And all of the references to Austin Powers just were amazing like yes (laughs) yes they had to do that on purpose because it does very clearly look like a penis yes like a penis (laughs) Uh, it does like I've seen one of the moms that I um coached her son last year in soccer Mm -hmm. she posted it on her Facebook and it was like um it was like a dildo meme of like the rocket and it was like I swear I booked the trip to space or like something like or no it was like okay it, what it was was this husband uh, it was it's this is obviously a meme but it was like it's a husband's point of view and mm-hmm. it's like the rocket ship in a box like they like scale down the image to put yeah. it in the box and it was like oh my wife ordered a re- model replica of just Jeff Bezos rocket <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! If if a sex toy company doesn't make a Jeff Bezos dick rocket for your pussy, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Get on it! Get on it! That's funny. That's so funny. Oh my God! Yes. Oh God. Oh. Okay. Well, how are you? I'm exhausted, but I'm good. I had a really successful week last week. I feel mm-hmm. really great about it. Um, I'm just tired. Yeah. Um, I got back home um, like at 10, 10.30 last night, and we were like driving all day. So we were in Orlando for iCast, and those who are listening that don't know what iCast is, it is the <clears> – excuse me. It is the world's largest sport fishing expo. And they hold it in Orlando. I guess they do it like every other year or maybe every year. I don't know. I'm still new to this thing. And I severely underestimated this event. Um, They have about 500 exhibitors this past week, but they typically have 700 more Mm -hmm. uh, than what they did this year. And so like, I can't even imagine how like huge it would be if they had 700 more because I was so overwhelmed and overstimulated mm. and like it it was a lot it was really cool but it was just like a lot and it was funny because like the day of setting things up um you know we'd walk around and like you it was very obviously male oriented and well yeah. yeah it's like a, you know you would walk around and you're like one of the only girls around there and it's just it's it's kind of funny because like all the guys are like dudes being dudes you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> and like the day of setup a lot of these guys are like calling their wives when they're all done like honey it's so great here it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like really cute you know um yeah. and I was like oh I love it 
and then the next day you just heard a lot of them going like oh yeah this is a lot smaller than it was last year like that 700 <laughs> more last year like and they were like complaining about it. so it was really funny to see like the day before everyone's so excited and then like the day of they're like complaining about how much smaller it There's was only 500 maybe because of covid but i don't think florida knows about covid i don't think they do either <laughs> uh but like i it could have been for covid i mean but yeah so it was it was really fun. Um, like some companies that were there were like Costa. Um, there was like Huck Gear, you know, those fishing gears. And, mm-hmm. uh, local organizations like the Coastal Conservation Association. Um, like just to kind of give you like an idea of yeah. like. And then there was like all these other shops that like were selling lures and uh, like fishing line. There's fly fishing rods and spinning reels and all that stuff. Did you get any um, swag? I did get some swag. Um, so what we were there for was to be in the conservation corner. So like Florida's Wildlife Conservation Commission, FWC, was mm-hmm. next to us. We partnered with the Department of Environmental Protection to have our uh, Coral Mobile exhibit there. Mm-hmm. And then South Carolina DNR was there too. And I think the Boy Scouts were over there as well. Um, so we had like the little conservation corner. And so I got some Florida's Coral Reef swag. I got a neat little hat and um some sunglasses took that away we also had these uh vr goggles that we have um but they're the go they're the google um the google cardboard i believe is what they're called Mm -hmm. and so you can go i think if you just literally google google cardboard you can get a um you know customized cardboard box that has these um little bubble lenses they're like plasticky glass looking Mm -hmm. eyeball lenses and then you design the outer uh, design to have a QR code on top and you scan it and then it takes you to the Florida's Coral Reef site and they have like a handful of videos that you can select from to play and then you mm-hmm. put your phone in the Google Cardboard and then you look that's through cool. the viewfinder and so then it's like you're like diving the reef. That's cool because that's like a cheap way to do VR because I feel like it's still yes. pretty expensive nowadays. Most people don't mm-hmm. get to do it unless they... Like I did it at a museum exhibit one time yes. and like it was cool, but yeah, you, it's not really accessible to like most people. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, it was a more, uh, you know, financially be- like better way for us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were also takeaways. So when people came up with like their kids or if they had grandkids or whatever, like, oh, this would be so great for the grandkids. And like, you know, they take one or two. Mm-hmm. So it was cute. Um yeah. But yeah, that event was great. We had some swag. And then um, on the, okay, this event was also wild. Like Yeti was there. And so all of these like larger organizations and corporations, the event runs from like 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And at 4 p.m., every one of those larger corporations breaks out a bar. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and then we went over to Yeti the next day and it was $10 for a Yeti tumbler and a beer. Wow. And like Yeti tumblers are fucking expensive. They're so and, expensive. Yeah. And I- so like I got a new Yeti tumbler. I was like, this is great. I love this. And um, I got some dry bags. There was the first day that we were there. Um, G Loomis or it wasn't G Loomis. It was Shimano. They had... Um, a women's happy hour that like women's angling happy hour and like mm-hmm. all the women that were anglers that were there could like 
you know, um, network and get together. That was super beneficial for my coworker that was there, Anna, because she wants to bring a, um, a woman's fishing community down to the Keys. Like there is a women's fishing community here, but it's not like, it's not very large. It's not like a setup community. There's like no Mm -hmm. Facebook group for it, you know? And so she wants to have a tournament and like at Fort Tarpon and stuff. And so um, I was like, Anna, we should go over to this women's angling happy hour because I'm sure you would benefit from networking with those ladies over there and figuring that out. So we did that. And then they had like the first couple of people that showed up uh, was able to get a swag bag. So um, in the swag bag was like a hat. And then one of those toadfish, the hard walled koozies, Mm -hmm. that like suction cup to your boat. So that was cool. We we got a lot of cool stuff. It was great. I loved it. And um, that Yeti one, that's crazy. (laughs) I know it it was like, uh, and it's like their newer model. They have like a newer Yeti tumbler. That's like a stackable one. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I think it's probably like 16 ounces maybe. Um, but still I was like, oh yes, I will definitely pay $10 for a beer with a, if I get yeah, it no free, like for like essentially free. Yeah. It's essentially <laughs> free. I'm like $10 for a beer, like in a like plastic cup is what happens at stadiums. Like yeah, yeah, you're yeah, paying yeah. $10 for a beer and a Yeti tumbler. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, I make fun of people who buy Yeti because I'm like, it's so expensive and Arctic does the same thing for much cheaper and that's yeah. what we buy. But yeah, I would definitely get one. <laughs> yes. I was like, for sure. I'll take that. It was fun. We had a great time and we, um, yeah, like networked the shit out of everybody. Like I was interviewed four times for things. Ooh, fun. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see where all of those um, connections end up because obviously like you're in the moment talking to yeah. them but yeah, yeah it's yeah. great it's awesome it was a great time and then like one the you know costa has the kick plastic campaigns mm-hmm. so i was talking to them and um like essentially long story short there's a lot of guides down here who if you work they work for a company they bring plastic water bottles on board for their got like their uh yeah clients and I've always been like why do you guys do that like if it's if it's a company that you guys work for just get them to get a branded water bottle sell it in the shop have on your website like we don't bring plastic water bottles on the boat but we sell yeah reusable ones in the office we'll bring out like a cooler of water because like you know those orange like Gatorade coolers like you could fill that with water That's, and yeah and like, yeah, like refill it that way. Like, I just don't understand like why you have to always, like, I don't know. I, I'm going to not, I'm going to get into too far of a rant if I keep talking about <laughs> it. Cause it's more but- convenient <laughs> to just go to the store and buy plastic water bottles. Than yes. Have everybody bring that. Cause you know, there's going to be some guys like, well, I've never had to bring a water bottle before. Yeah. Blah, 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 you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm paying you to take me out. You can, yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. And so Costa has the kick the plastic campaign and there's a lot of guides that are sponsored by Costa down here. And so Ann and I were like, oh, let's try to get um, like a kick plastic seminar down in the keys at the lab mm-hmm. and the, the local guides who are sponsored by them and have like local restaurants come yeah. and just teach people like spread the word more. And it, it's like, Hey, don't throw plastic in the ocean. That'd be great. Yeah. But like, Thank so you. Costa's kick plastic campaign is essentially what I just would like to have down here is like, mm-hmm. they, they print bottles and give them to these companies to like take kick out. the plastic, yeah. you know? 
And so it would just be really cool to have them come down and kind of mm-hmm. have a seminar of all of that and teach all the local guides and plus like all the fishermen are obsessed with Costa. So they'll exactly. like actually pay attention. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And yeah. how freaking sweet would it be if it's just like, oh, Mount Marine Lab sponsored by Costa. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. So stuff like that is, it was like conversations that were being had. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, like trying to just be get a on a larger scale of being more environmentally friendly down here yeah it's hard uh, bringing women's community to fishing down here Mm -hmm. too yeah represent gotta have that representation because we exist I mean I'm not an angler but I do a lot of stuff on the water and I know you're an angler so you know and by angler for all you non-fishing people it literally just means a fisherman it's a fancy way to say fisherman or fisherwoman yes (laughs) So I got a lot of free stuff and uh, we're making good connections. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before I lose my voice, because apparently I'm having a little trouble over here. Um, That's okay. My throat is all like phlegmy right now. Yeah. Just woke up. (laughs) Yeah. It's all the Sahara. It's the Saharan dust cloud like comes over every summer and it just everybody gets like allergies and so everyone mm-hmm. and has been sniffling in the office, but we're all you know, not worried about it. We're like dust cloud. Yeah. Dust cloud. Dust okay. cloud. You got a dust cloud over there. It's not, not COVID. Right. Okay. It's just the dust cloud. Great. So before I forget, I met a lot of people from Texas that mm-hmm. talked about the flower gardens. Yes. So like, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So the flower gardens is a really big old reef. I think it's maybe on like a seamount or something it's a raised shoal out in the middle of Gulf of Mexico. Like there's no islands or anything, but there's mm-hmm. a big reef out there. I really want to go dive it at some you point, should. but it's I like, heard a, it's great, but it, I heard it's dying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to go see it, I guess, before it dies. Um, but yeah, you have to leave and, and do at least a three day, if not five day trip, um, on like a, like a dive charter to do it mm-hmm. um, just because it's so far out there. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it'll get better in the future, but somehow I don't think it will. <laughs> yeah. I've done so much damage to all of our reefs. And that was the one nice thing about diving in Hawaii is like seeing actual healthy coral reefs. It was kind of yeah. because yeah. Florida has some parts that are nice but it's you know there's a lot of human interaction with those reefs and it's you know in a region that's known for coral bleaching events well and and like people come here because they want to see the reef but like that just it just puts so much more pressure and stress on the reef the more people that come out here and go out to it and it's hard it's hard to find that balance you know Mm -hmm. and the locals they try to vote on you know things that will help it and then the governor just overturns it. So. Yeah. Cause yeah. <laughs> Cause why would we want to protect our, our, you know, resources? Why would we want to do that? That's well, dumb. it's like if the reef goes and the fish go and then we go, it's like, right. it, if you guys want to keep having this economy that you talk about, like you got to preserve the one ecosystem that we all rely on to have the economy. So yeah. Cause uh, Florida relies pretty heavily on tourism and yes. a lot of tourism is from those recreational anglers that come down to fish. And if they're not catching yes. those species anymore because the reefs are dying, then they're not going to want to come down to Florida. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like it, that the reef provides about 70,000 jobs for us down here. 
And then I want to say it provides like one to two billion dollars annually to the economy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a big chunk for sure. It's a large chunk. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> like that's like especially South Florida, like that's their whole economy. I feel like historic. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. So stop throwing plastic in the ocean, get vaccinated and, um, be nice and climate change is real. Okay. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, okay. What are we talking about today? I definitely <laughs> went on a rant of like my own week. No, it's fine. I, I talked about Hawaii for like 30 minutes last time. So, you know, um, before we do it, um, I, wanted to do my citations from the last episode which was about Apollo 13 the one I really used um the most was the Apollo 13 the true story and it's a documentary on the discovery channel and I watched it on YouTube and the link is going to be in the um bio for the episode so if you want to go watch it go watch it because it's pretty good and then also um I used Wikipedia to get some specific details that the documentary didn't talk about as much. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it. So let's get into what we're going to talk about today. So today we're talking about these two individuals, Helen Clavin and Ralph Flores, and their ordeal in the Yukon, so the Arctic, basically. Um, I know. And if you hear little, uh, collars tingling, (laughs) same dogs as last time. Oh, it's the same dogs. We should really do a post, um, about these are your, uh, our (laughs) co-hosts. I'm going to send you this photo of Hank right now because he just hopped up on the bed with Waylon's toy and is just chilling. (laughs) Oh, Hanky Panky. His mom, his mom is still out of town. So we're still watching him. Sweet baby. Oh my goodness. He's all stretched out. Uh-huh. He's stretched out. <laughs> He's baby. a long boy. He's a long boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I just heard his collar popping up and I was like, ah, still like the little it's jingle jangles in the background. Good. So yeah, the um, Helen looks like a little Audrey Hepburn-esque. Yeah. Or I was also almost thinking like Princess Diana. Oh, yes. Too. Yes. Yes. I can see that. Definitely. Yeah. So we have a picture of her literally getting on the plane that kind of changed her life forever. Um, but she's a very glamorous um, New York woman. Um, and Ooh, she, I can see that. yeah. And she, but she wanted to travel um, in the 60s, which is crazy to do as a single woman in the 60s like that just did not happen independence Um, what yeah crazy women are people and can do things on their own bizarre (laughs) and she be at home making dinner exactly see you know you know what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of these stories we talk about involve people like purposely going into the wilderness whether it's like for discovery for profit or in the name of duty but <laughs> duty, duty. Um, <laughs> but some stories place perfectly ordinary people in extraordinary survival circumstances and some perish because they have no survival training or they just aren't mentally prepared to stick it out for the long run but some survive despite the complete lack of survival training um, and this falls in my opinion, squarely on the strength of character and their willingness to adapt to their situations. And this is absolutely one of those stories. 
So let's talk about um, our two, uh, literally the two people, the only two people in this story. Um, Helen Clavin was born in 1942. She was the daughter of Charles and Ida Clavin, um, and who was a U.S. Uh, customs agent and a homemaker living in Brooklyn. She had four older brothers, um, and all of the family worked to make ends meet. Um, as a kid, she was pretty fearless and independent playing sports, which, like we said, in the 50s, kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had ambitions to travel the world. So by the time she was 20, she set out on the road, driving up to Fairbanks, Alaska, where she worked as a draftswoman for the a Bureau of Land Management. I don't know what a draftswoman is, but it sounds important. <laughs> it does sound important. <laughs> but I think it was related to mining because she was taking mining classes at the University of Alaska um, as a woman in the 60s. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> um, her plan was to spend several months in Alaska before she decided that she wanted to travel to Asia, <laughs> specifically to Hong Kong and India. Um, In order to do so, however, um, she had to take a very long and convoluted flight down to San Francisco before she could make her way across the ocean Mm because, you know, Alaska was more isolated at the time. Um, And so in order to do this, she needed to take a flight on a single engine plane to Whitehorse, which is in the Yukon. A single Um, engine plane. I don't know if that means there's a single engine on each side. I would hope so. I'm a I don't know because I, that just does not sound safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those bush planes, you know, like that you fly around and yes. to get to really remote places. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they were flying to Whitehorse and then she would get on another flight heading south towards uh, British Columbia to and then to San Francisco. So so that's when she met Ralph Flores, a 41-year-old Mexican-born aircraft mechanic from San Bruno, California. He was piloting the single-engine airplane to Whitehorse and then also to British Columbia. And he was also going to California, but instead of traveling, he was heading home to his wife and children. <clears throat> so, side note. Mm-hmm. If you Google sent <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. If you Google single-engine plane, it comes up as a light aircraft that has a maximum gross takeoff weight of 12,500 pounds or less. That's not a lot. <laughs> They're used commercially for passenger and freight, trans- freight transport, sightseeing, photography, and other roles, as well as personal use. Yeah. That is courtesy of Wikipedia. So it is a very small plate. It's, yeah, it looks like a, a little puddle jumper. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine how this isn't going to end well. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> so Helen and Ralph were the only individuals on this flight. And after being grounded for three days in Whitehorse before the next leg of their flight, they were growing impatient because um, there was a uh, storm. So mm-hmm. on February 4th, in 1963, they took off despite the dangerous weather. But before they took off, Ralph told Helen, if you don't trust me, don't go with me. Cool. Yeah. Um, And Helen chose to trust him. I bet when this shit hits the fan, she's like, I knew I shouldn't have trusted you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it gets gets worse, actually. Because there's something she doesn't know. Um, Oh, no. What? (laughs) What she doesn't know is that Ralph 
although he had his pilot's license, he was not comfortable flying only using the aircraft's instruments. Instead, he was using landmarks to navigate and determine his height. And I'm like, but Wait. Why, why would you fly in Alaska if that was the case? Wait. <clears throat> he had his pilot's license, mm-hmm. but wasn't comfortable using the electronics to fly a plane. So he just kind of went off of sightseeing. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's yeah. not good. Like I could see that if that was driving. I do that with driving. It's like, oh, go past a little white church and like it's yeah, will be on your left and whatever. But you also know how to read the dial to see what your speed is. Yes. Right? So oh. oh. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um in this case, it was height that was the issue. Um, so unfortunately, flying in inclement weather often means you can't see your surroundings. So Ralph tried to take the plane above the clouds to look for the Alaska highway as a landmark, but he couldn't see anything below the clouds. So um, in addition, Ralph did not take the adequate survival gear one would need on a bush plane in the Alaskan wilderness, including adequate emergency food supplies, an axe, sleeping bags, or a rifle. None of that. We had none of that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, better to always be prepared, mm-hmm. everyone. It's better yeah. to be over-prepared than under-prepared, mm-hmm. which is why I always keep an ax in the side door of my car <laughs> case I need to defend myself. I mean, that's why I have it. <laughs> well, also it- if you like yeah. drive into water, you can use it to break out. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I, I kept it in there from when I was camping, but then, like, when people get in my car, they're like, is that a hatchet in the side door of your car? <laughs> I was like, yeah, when I was on road trips, I'd pull over to, like, these rest stops and take a little nap, and someone yeah. wants to come at me, I have a defense mechanism right here. Snuggle with your hatchet, kids. Yeah, it's fine. Well, that's why we always had, I never used them, um, but every, like, boat that goes out on, like, oh, you know, open water, you know, like, out in the mm-hmm. ocean or, like, a large bay um they have the gumby suits oh yeah so we always Mm -hmm. had them I know how to put them on but never had to use them thank god yeah Um, I also like keep my camping box in my car and I have an air horn in there mm -hmm. and lights and hand warmers and things like that so yep gotta be be prepared Mm -hmm. yeah I have a first aid kit in my car so yeah I got that too I got one for like a dog first aid kit and a human first aid kit (laughs) you know Sweet babies. We have to protect them too. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, they didn't have any of that. Um, So Ralph dipped back down beneath the clouds, trying to use the instruments to determine the plane's height. Uh, Clavin reported that I knew he didn't know where he was and he wouldn't say that we were lost, but I knew we were. Uh, We were flying by a mountain and I saw trees right below us. I knew we were going to crash. And that's oh my gosh, an, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's from an interview that she did with the Saturday night evening, Saturday evening post. So I bet she probably braced herself then if she saw all that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> that's a scary situation. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, oh God, our pilot doesn't know what's, what's happening. <laughs> yeah, like we're gonna crash. Um then Ralph I, said, how okay. How do you brace yourself for that? I, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. So, what did no, Ralph fine, say? <laughs> then Ralph said, okay, Helen, here it comes. I'm sure he said it in a different way mm-hmm. than I just did, but, um, and reported, I saw the right wing tip hit the trees and I just closed my eyes. Oh no. Yeah. I probably yeah. would have done the same thing. 
Then uh, the plane crashed violently in a forested stretch of the mountains right next to the Yukon, British Columbia border in Canada. Um, Clabin was knocked out cold upon impact. Oh, yeah, sure. But yeah, but when she don't awoke, have any airbags in an airplane. No, nothing else either, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But as she awoke, she saw a pool of blood in her lap from her split chin and experienced significant pain in her left arm and foot. Um, once she began looking around, she found that her arm was broken and her foot had been crushed between the seat and the door. Mm. Yeah. Um, but she, she was alive. Yeah, she was alive. And that's exactly what she thought. She was like, hey, I'm alive. <laughs> Not so <And> bad. <laughs> this became her mantra during this entire ordeal and later the famous, most famous phrase of the entire um ordeal as well so what hey i'm still alive hey i'm alive yeah (laughs) so um yeah so she looked around for ralph to make sure that he too was alive um there was blood all over his face and deep cuts on his head and chin but he was also alive um he had fractures to his jaw and several ribs but was actually able to walk around um So he quickly helped Helen out of her predicament and wrapped up her foot with her extra sweaters before taking a look around. Um, They were deep in a desolate pine forest, likely far away from human inhabitants, and the entire ground was covered in waist-deep snow. In addition, the temperature on the plane's dial showed negative 48 degrees fahrenheit or negative 44 degrees celsius so real fucking cold oh (laughs) yeah oh that's cold yeah um no thank you so if you look at the second slide um Mm -hmm. there's the approximate site of their crash um which literally is right on the border and then there was a small town called watson lake nearby but considering that this area represents many, many miles and there's a lot of wilderness surrounding that town. Um, And I don't know the location. I couldn't find the location of the exact crash, but they were somewhere in that wilderness surrounding. And if you know anything about trying to walk in really deep snow, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. That's why walking through water to me. Yes. And you get wet. So, (laughs) and then you're cold and wet. (laughs) Yes. So getting anywhere in this area in deep snow in the mountains is really going to be really damn impossible. I'm looking up the current temperature of Anchorage, Alaska, just because I feel like that's kind of close to this. Mm -hmm. That's like the closest thing that I know to this location. Yeah. It's 55 degrees there right now. Well, it's summer (laughs) and they're on the water. So they get milder climates. Yeah. I know, but I'm like, that's still kind of cold. <laughs> uh, yeah, for summer. Yes, it is. It's like 90 something here already. So that's. I know. I was just thinking like if it's 55 in summer, like I can't imagine what it would be like in winter. Yeah, it's February. Let's remind yeah. everybody it's February in yes. the Canadian Yukon. Like yes. that's, that's where the sled dogs are from. Okay. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Although Ralph was not trained in survival, he quickly adapted to the situation by covering the openings of the plane cabin with the extra tarp 
and mm. making a, a makeshift lean-to with the tarp and cushions from the plane. So he got to work almost immediately, like, which good, because he didn't know how to fly a plane, so he should probably do some work around here. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, so they insulated themselves with the extra cushions from the plane and the spare clothes that they had. Um, they did have matches to keep a fire going, which was really good. Um, I don't think they would have survived that cold without it. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Um, and Ralph was able-bodied enough to gather wood, so they were able to keep a fire lit pretty much the entire time. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Um, I like, I don't do well with the cold. So like, even in this scenario, I would still want like a very large fire. Like I would want to be on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think I like cold better than I like heat, but I also like being able to go in a building at some point during the day, you know, while I'm not in it. (laughs) So yeah. Why am I living in Texas? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I moved to Florida cause I couldn't do the cold. So it's, it's too hot here for me. I hate it. Um, <laughs> um, so he also tried without success to fix the radio so that they could send out distress signals. Um, but obviously didn't really work. Uh, they also took stock of the food that they had, which was pretty much everything they brought with them on the flight. So think about the things you bring with you on a plane flight. My like plain snack of choice is uh, Cheez-Its, I like Cheez-Its, yeah. and I like Chex Mix or Chex, yeah. Chex Mix, specifically the bold party flavor, specifically that gummy worms, sour gummy worms. Oh, well, yeah, it's good to have a little sweet treat with you. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to ask what uh, what drink you bring. On a um, I usually just bring water because I'll, I'll get like a ginger ale, you know. So what are your plane snacks? Well, honestly, I don't really pack snacks to bring on a plane. I just typically get the little um, cookies and the coffee that they bring around. But That's if like- I am... That's like the whole fun of going on a plane, though, is to go buy a bunch of snacks that you don't need to eat and then eat them. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, like flying in a plane, just it makes me sleepy. So I just kind of don't want to eat. I think that's more my thing. Um, But granted, the plane flights that I've been on are like three hours typically. So it's not even like too long. But if I am on a longer plane flight, like the one that I'm going to be on for Alaska in like the next month. I my travel snacks of choice, like especially for a road trip, I get beef jerky. Mm-hmm. I get um, M and M's, and then I'll get those buffalo uh, pretzel thins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'll also get pirate's booty. <laughs> yeah, it's pirate's booty. What is? You never heard of pirate's booty? No. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, no, it's so great. It was like I grew up. My grandma always had this in her house, so we always would eat it as kids. Um, it's it's essentially popcorn, but it's not like the kernel popcorn. It's like puffs. It's okay. like white cheddar puffs. Um, yeah. Okay. So I get get a little bit of that, and mm-hmm. then um, drink of choice is coconut water, or um, some sort of one of those buy teas. One of the, mm-hmm. um, and then if I need some caffeine, I'll get a, one of those like iced coffee, mm-hmm. um, 
like the nitro brew yeah starbucks brand yeah yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Starbucks and on yeah. the M and M's. Absolutely, I, that's yeah. another one I do is M and M's. Yeah, but yeah. So imagine that's all you have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least I have my beef jerky protein. Uh, that's true. You're doing better than me because all I got is carbs and sugar right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so their food was limited to a few cans of sardines and tuna because you know it was the '60s and everything had to be in a can. Um, spam and everything yeah yeah I had spam last night it was good did you yes I've never had it it weirds me out I don't think it, I'll ever have it it smells like cat food when you take it out of the can but if you yeah. slice it up and fry it it's delicious and salty it's great I've heard if yeah I've heard that if you cook it that way that yeah. that's good but it just weirds me out so yeah. I, just, I, I can't wrap my head around eating something like that yeah I I know um so yeah they had a few cans of sardines and tuna a few cans of fruit salad a box of saltine crackers and protein pills mm. and that's it protein was in pill form yeah I guess they I mean some sort of protein situation happening it was like the one emergency thing they had I guess um so they managed to stretch this meager meal over 10 days by rationing but after 10 days there was no more food um, they attempted to eat the protein pills to keep up their strength, but were forced to give up because the pills gave them really, really bad stomach cramps. Oh no. So it's like, do you feed yourself or do you die of diarrhea and throwing up? I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like I have a fear of vomiting in the first place, so mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. would be turned off by that. Yeah. So at some point they had to force themselves to get over the uncomfortableness of, I don't even know if that's a word. Yes, it is. Um, of extreme hunger. Um, Ralph would try to hunt rabbits with a makeshift slingshot, um, but his aim wasn't very good and they were not able to catch any food, which I'm like, Was Ralph even like helping in this situation? I mean, like he got him stranded and now he can't mm. even like shoot a slingshot to get food well could <laughs> you <laughs> could i you? would i mean at least I, I would think i would be probably better than him that's well but you like shoot guns and stuff i know yeah. i have done target like practice yeah. and training like. yeah so but I, I wouldn't be able to kill a rabbit well i would because i would i know how to snare but that's the thing we're biologists like we kind of picked up on these things you know our parents were very into the outdoors so we've learned these things over the years yeah um but what did they do for shelter are we getting to that point did they have they're, to they're still in the plane they're oh, staying so they're in the using plane, the plane for shelter okay and they're putting tarps like over the over plane yeah, yeah okay you did say that yeah, yeah, yeah. okay um which <laughs> ralph also did like he is trying i'll give him that yeah, I guess um, that's a little bit rude of me to say. <laughs> it's weird with Ralph because I just, it, it, there's some things later on that kind of frustrate me about this situation. It um, just seems like the, where, where he really needs to like come through, he just can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where it's like, okay, dude. I mean, yeah. besides the firewood, at least he can like get the firewood. In yeah, it. yeah. I mean, he is trying to take care of, she can't really move yeah. around very well. So, I mean... So eventually they were only subsisting on water, which they would get from the melted snow, um, filtering it through the shreds of one of Helen's dresses and boiling it on an empty oil in an empty oil can. Um, Sometimes they would add bits of toothpaste to their water, which they squeezed from a half filled tube. Why Um, would they do that? 
because there's some kind of nutrients in toothpaste. Oh, really? You eat it. Yeah. And you swallow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So also for some kind of flavor. Um, And so Helen said, we'd pretend the snow was soup. Uh, Some days it would be tomato, then beef, then other varieties. And that's something that you see a lot in these stories is just like obsessing over food and pretending that what you're eating is something else Mm -hmm. um, or just talking about what you want to eat. And oh God, that would drive me nuts. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would lose it. I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Just done. I Um, mean, and this is going to sound like super like um, privileged of me to say this, but like when we left the keys and went to Orlando last week, we stopped and got Chipotle. And then on the way back, we got Chick-fil-A and we were like, so happy because <laughs> we don't have those down here. I like, know oh, we get Chipotle. It's so great. Yeah. I got Panera this week, which was really exciting for me because um, yes. we don't have, we don't have any of that here. Not, yes. not at all. Um, so while they were going through this, A large-scale rescue search was staged by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, as well as pilots in northern British Columbia. Um, But because the crash was so deep in the woods, planes would fly over them without seeing the survivors below the tree cover. Um, Besides spending a lot of time talking about food, they tried to keep busy um, while the long, freezing cold days wore on. Florists would gather firewood, Helen would attempt to send mayday calls over the radio when she heard planes overhead. They read books, um, namely a book of poems by Robert Service and a Bible. Um, Ralph would also occasionally try to convert Helen from Judaism to Mormonism. So why? Yeah. Helen was Jewish and Ralph was Mormon. (laughs) What? Yeah. So leave her alone. Yeah. So this is the part that really bothers me because forcing religion on people, it's not okay. It's not okay. And it gets really toxic actually. Um, cause Helen, you know, it's just like, um, no, I'm not really interested. Um, saying that she respected Christ's teachings, but didn't believe he was divine as you know, she's Jewish. That's yeah, the religion. However, Ralph would continue to press by saying that he was afraid the rescuers wouldn't find them until she converted to Christianity. What? So he put all of what happened on her again. Not okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really want to talk super bad about Ralph, but this is such a dick move, you know, like you're already in this desperate situation, like, and you wouldn't be in this situation if Ralph knew how to fly a plane. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not really on Helen at all. <laughs> no. So I'm Helen, trying to think of some smart ass comment to say I, to Ralph. Right, right I know. Now, but I, I know. I know. Helen, however, held steadfast to her faith, despite Ralph's insistence that she was apparently responsible for their current situation, which I just, like, I'm trying to be on Ralph's side. This is not an easy situation to be in, but you, you can't do that to people. That's not, no, that's not Okay. Um, I mean, that's not solving any problem here. No. Like when you're in a situation, your focus should be solving the problem, not Mm -hmm. throwing the blame. Well, and the fact that she's holding onto Mm -hmm. her faith is probably going to be better because that's, you know, where her comfort lies, you know? Right. So it's just, 
I have a lot of issues with it. It's fine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Also. Oh my God. So, okay. Like, is Ralph really going to die on that hill? Like, I'm not going to get us like help unless you convert to my religion. And then no, it it wasn't that he wasn't going to try to get them help. He was obviously doing everything he could to do that, but he was blaming her. He was saying that I don't think the rescuers are going to find us. And it's because you're not Christian. Oh, I heard yeah. that one the first time. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. It wasn't um, like an ultimatum, or anything. but still fucked up. Yes, because like, it's putting the not, blame for yes. the you know lack of rescue on her. Yeah, and it's like, oh, bro, like maybe if you converted to Judaism, like we wouldn't have gotten a plane crash. Exactly. <laughs> like it would work both ways, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> If you read a fucking book about how to fly a plane, we wouldn't have been in the first place. So I just like, I'm like, that's that's the part that I'm like, yeah, Ralph, just not on your side with this one. Um, Yeah. So after about a month of being out in the wilderness, things were starting to look dire. So that's like 30, 31 days now Mm -hmm. or 29. I don't know. Whatever. It's February. It's a lot of days. It's a lot of days. Um, they were both losing a lot of weight and losing energy. Um, none of the rescue planes had spotted them and both of Helen, because she wasn't Mormon yet. Got it. Yeah. yeah, She wasn't Mormon. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and both of Helen's feet froze and began succumbing to frostbite. Oh no. Which they're getting black. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. They don't have pictures I'm sure they were black. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which isn't good, but honestly not surprised in the temperatures like that they were dealing with. Like I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, so this limited her and how much she could move. Um, so in early March, Ralph left Helen for eight days to try to find help. Um, he made snowshoes from tree branches and wire and walked to the ridge, hoping to find some sort of clearing where they might be able to be seen by air, by the bush pilots. Okay. Um, While he was gone, Helen began writing in her diary about the trip to Alaska, and even the flight, but couldn't bring herself to account the crash. Um, Oh, because it was too traumatizing? Yeah. She said in her memoir, the whole thing sounded like an epitaph. Um, there's no point in writing the end. I told myself until the end has come. Yeah. Yeah. So what was af- the title of her memoir? Hey, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Googling about her right now. And I came across that photo and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so after eight days, Ralph returned after finding a spot in the woods um, just three fourths of a mile away, but it took him so long because the snow was so deep and he was starved and exhausted. Oh my gosh, I'm sure that probably felt like it was seven miles. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the next slide, slide three, you can see the crash site with the mm-hmm. plane, and that's where they spent that first month in the plane. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can see there. Um, little makeshift tent that they made at this second site that they're going to and we'll get into that top picture in a little bit um so after around day 42 of the crash they haven't really had anything to eat at this point god um i can't do like six hours without food i know i know (laughs) i think about that a lot i would never survive this (laughs) 
So they left for the spot that Ralph had found in the woods. Um, Ralph drug a makeshift sled with all of their belongings while Helen used all of her strength and pain tolerance just to walk herself there. Um, Once they made it to the spot, they erected a lean-to, and then they heard a chainsaw noise revving from what seemed like only a few miles away, Hmm. which uh, that's the first human noise they've heard other than the planes. Um, Mm -hmm. So this, in fact, there were trappers at a cabin um, that had only been about 10 miles away the whole time, but they had no way to know this or even where, you know, the trappers were were and this is the first time they had heard the noise so mm-hmm. ralph decided to walk toward the noise leaving the injured helen again and after four days uh found a frozen pond um using his feet he etched a huge sos sign in the snow over the frozen pond with an arrow pointing back toward the campsite so that's that top picture you see yes i see that yeah um it's very literally like a you know, out of a movie, one of those big SOS mm-hmm. signs or send help that people put on, you know, yes. um, deserted islands or whatever. Um, and it's smart that he had the arrow actually, cause I wouldn't that have think, thought of that to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So a pilot, um, Charles Hamilton was ferrying supplies to a big game outfitting headquarters on March 24th when he saw the SOS, uh, about nine days after Uh, the two had made their way to that spot. Um, He saw Ralph waving his arms and signaling with a mirror. And then he saw Helen. The mirror signal. Yeah. Right. Um, And then he saw Helen a few miles away at the campsite. She had built a large fire to create a smoke signal when she heard the plane. Um, So the next day, the two were rescued um, with Helen being carried three miles to safety um, by Hamilton, who had returned with additional rescuers. And he said, the snow was three to five foot deep. I must have fallen 40 to 50 times. I had to fall on my face because I couldn't fall on her. Oh my God. (laughs) That's deep snow. Yes. Five feet. That's almost, you know, I'm only eight inches taller than that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how do you move through that? No wonder it took them so long to get anywhere. Yeah, it's like, it reminds me of being in a pool and like, you know, when you're like in the five foot deep end and like, you're just a couple inches taller than five feet. So you're like on your tippy toes still. So your head can like stay up. (laughs) That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. So the two were rescued and overall, Helen and Ralph spent 49 days total in the Yukon. 39 of those days completely without any form of food. Ugh. That's how I know that we can survive a month without food. Yeah. And you said they were drinking water. Yeah. So they had plenty of water. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were <laughs> melting the snow. Right. So I like you can only survive what, like three days without water. Yeah. Three you die of thirst, but yeah. like a month without food. Without food. Yeah. Well, actually over a month. A little over a month. 39 days, clearly. Yeah. So that's crazy. Their <laughs> bodies yeah. can do that. I would be fine. I have a lot of fat. So at that point, my body would just eat all the fat up and then I'd, I'd look great. I'd look awesome. So you know? 
<laughs> so hot tip for uh, any of you health do kickers out there just don't. go get lost in the yukon for 49 days don't do that anorexia is not good yes this is a so joke it's not supposed that. to be serious it's a, joke. it's a joke don't take that to heart oh geez mm. um so helen's arm was healed by the time that she was rescued because remember she broke her arm and they were out there for 49 days so her arm actually yeah so healed. yeah so wait did it heal like incorrectly though i guess not they didn't it just have to. kind of aligned yeah. itself back huh mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> um but she had bad frostbite and malnutrition um that's why i was googling about her because i wanted to see if she kept her feet i'm gonna tell you right now yeah so she now weighed a hundred pounds in comparison to her 140 pounds before the crash oh wow um, the toes on her right fit, foot were so badly frostbitten that they were amputated. So she kept her foot, but not her toes. Gotcha. Yeah. Ralph weighed two thirds of what he weighed before. Um, he weighed now only 120 pounds from his 180 pounds. So he, oh, wow. he actually lost more weight than she did. Yeah. Probably cause he was moving around and trying to yeah. keep mm. them, you know, warm. Helen, however, um, seemed fairly chipper despite her ordeal. And when the reporters came to the hospital to interview them, Helen raised her healthy right arm in the air saying, hey, I'm alive. Wow. I love how this has been like a slogan the whole time. Yes, it's her slogan. So if you look at slide four, you can see the two of them being rescued. Helen actually still looks pretty good. Like she She looks like she's still ready to like punch somebody and and i don't yeah. know yeah <laughs> i mean like, like ready to go yeah she doesn't really look like disheveled at all yeah ralph looks like he's almost dead yes he he, he looks he has a lot of concern going on in that face mm-hmm. and then if you look at slide five you can see helen at their um makeshift lean to and she does look a little bit more uh haggard i guess in mm-hmm. that one i that's a bad word she just Not, looks cold. She looks like she's been through it and she yeah. had been through it. So, but then I love the pictures of them in the hospital because they're just both looking like so happy. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like Ralph is in the middle of a clap and she's waving her hand around. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's, hey, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the months after the accident, um, after he returned to California, Ralph's pilot license was revoked. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, but a few years later, he was allowed to resume flying in 1966. So apparently we don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would not fly a plane with him ever again. I know. Um, he died at the old age of 75 in 1997. Okay. Helen had a rich life, attending classes at both Hunter College and Columbia University, becoming a stock promoter at a brokerage and worked for a book publisher later on in life. Um, She also wrote a book about the ordeal with Ralph as a co-author called, Hey, I'm Alive. (laughs) I love it. I love her so much. (laughs) It's so cute. Um, she got married to Robert Kahn in 1967, but they later separated in the 1980s, but the couple never divorced. Um, she had one son named Rocky and six grandchildren. 
Um, she traveled wi- widely with her family all over the globe and actually taught survival skills to Girl Scouts and other school groups because she is a bad ass. Yeah, she is a badass. Um, she died recently in uh, 2018 at the age of 76, having lived a full life. So, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. But in a good, in a good yeah. way. You know, she yeah. she lived her life and lived to tell the tale. Lived to tell the tale. So, in the epilogue of her memoir, Helen Clabin talked about the lessons of the ordeal, which she calls the event adventure. She doesn't call it the ordeal which I think is just so positive. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so snarky in my memoir. I just <laughs> would be a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, she spoke highly of Ralph Flores saying that he had taught her about faith, courage, endurance, and strength saying that he was one of the most remarkable men in the world. And about herself, she wrote, I discovered that God is love. I discovered For the first time, really how much I love my mother and family. I discovered something else I never knew before. I love life. Oh, so she is like the most beautiful, like Princess Diana looking elegant. Yes. Like independent, badass woman. Always positive, which I don't understand because I'm a pessimist. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard for me to be that positive, but. You know, that's probably what got her through. You just got to train your brain to be positive. There's always like a reason. Yeah. Something, something happens, you know? Yeah. I'm always like preparing for the worst, I think. So when good things happen to me, I'm like, oh, this is nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good change of pace. (laughs) So, and that's the uh, story of Helen Clabin and Ralph Flores and their 49 day ordeal. In the what a story. I know. This was a really good one that I didn't know about till I started listening to the survival podcast on Parcast. Okay. I was um, just about to ask how you heard about this one. Yeah. They have uh, actually a few of my uh, stories come from there because I'm just like, I've never heard about this, you know? Yeah. So it's amazing that, I mean, not only the lack of food, but how cold it was that they were able Freezing to cold. stay alive. And they, they were yeah. literally just sitting around <laughs> for most yeah. of it. Twiddling their tongue. Yeah. Twiddling their, thumbs. Twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. So it's made me uh, a little more scared of small planes now. So. Yeah. Um, did I tell you how, when I went to Eleuthera for that mission trip, like we took a pedal jumper to, the island and like literally one of the walls zipped up (laughs) (laughs) and me and my friends like sat next to it and we were like uh (laughs) there's some concern here (laughs) yeah i'm a fan of that (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not uh, i've always been okay with flying but yeah maybe not like in the Alaskan wilderness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> scary. Um, although now we have a lot more technology and I'm sure the safety measures are more, you know, strictly followed um, by a lot of these bush pilots. Cause there have been a lot of crashes and people don't survive or they do survive, but they don't have anything and then they die. Yeah. So this is like a successful story of that. So, and now we have like GPS and stuff. So if you have one of those, um, 
I know uh, they have them for like people who get lost at sea on life jackets. They have those like GPS trackers that you can yeah. press. And they'll they also like... have like sat phones now too. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit better, but still, you know, if something breaks and you don't have that, then it's a problem. So. Yeah. Like the, um, the Pendleton one half had the radio and the other half didn't and then yep. one half had what the power and the other half yep. <laughs> yep. like well <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 I swear um, I saw something on like my apple news about like a survival story and I was just trying to go back and find it but I can't find it but I came across another article that says um that a fisherman in Montana caught a world record 92 pound paddlefish with a bow and arrow <laughs> Jesus. I know. I like scrolled down. I saw a paddlefish. And I was like, oh, paddlefish. And I saw the title. I was like, oh, God. So, paddlefish are like these big, his- like prehistoric looking fish with this giant, I guess, Rostrum. looks like a paddle or yeah, yeah a- on its nose. That's, it's, you know, they're or like cute. a spoon almost. Kind of looks like a spoon yeah um and they're like dark black and they're like very primitive fish um so they're not actually related to most of the fish um that we have today um they're really interesting and they live in on the missouri um river in mississippi i think as well well we also had a paddlefish at the virginia living museum we did and so they're in virginia and like the mountains too yeah they're very stupid so that's all I they're need. cute they're cute though i love that little paddlefish yeah he's sweet um that's funny that's cool yeah. this, this is our fishing episode so yeah, i mean sorry that was a little sidetrack <laughs> no, no no that's fine um so let me do my sources this time yeah, before you forget before i forget um so my sources were helen club and con survivor of a 49 day or Yukon ordeal dies at 76 um, by Richard Sandemir of New York Times. A lot of these are her obituaries because mm-hmm. that happened very recently. Um, mm-hmm. Helen Clabin, U.S. woman who survives plane crash and spent 49 days stranded in the Yukon, dies age 76 by Nick Ferris. And that was on the National Post. And then, hey, I'm alive, part one and part two. Um, from the White Horse Star, March 1963. So I found one of the original news articles from them, you know, from the actual event because um, they were evacuated to White Horse. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. So oh, good deal. This one was a little bit more uplifting again, but yeah. Um, what good things happened to you this week, or are going to happen to you next week? Um, well, last week was uh, really nice with the whole iCast situation, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to cover anymore because I did that enough at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's coral spawning season. So um, we woke up Friday or was it Saturday morning? Yeah. So Friday eve- Friday night, uh, mm-hmm. we had our Alcorn spawn at the lab. So we have little coral babies happening at the lab and- Aww coral spawn around the first full moon in august but i guess i forget what the technical term is called but um our adult colonies are gravid right now so mm-hmm. i guess what's going to happen is they'll do like a little trickle now and then when the first full moon in august comes around that time frame they'll do a larger spawn i guess is what mm-hmm. happens 
Okay. Um, so our Elkhorn spawned at the lab the other day and that's exciting. And so, yeah, I, I love this time of year. I just think it's a fun time of year watching so, corals spawn. So that's the good thing that's happening. This What does it look like when they spawn? It looks like, so <clears throat> corals are communal animals and each polyp is on the corals. So like every polyp has their mouth opening. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we know that corals are gravid because they do what they call coring and it's like they crack a piece of um like if it's a branch they'll crack a piece of branching coral to see inside if there's like the sperm and the egg mm. and then if it's like a mountainous or not mountains um mounding or bouldering type of coral they'll like um take um a core out by mm-hmm. using some sort of like power tool um and see if it's and you know holding the sperm and egg there and that's what they call being gravid mm-hmm. and then um so when the corals are setting which means the gamete bundle of the sperm and egg are coming into the polyp's mouth it pretty much looks like a pimple like a whitehead <laughs> so and it's kind of so gross <laughs> it, i mean it looks really cool because it's not like acne you know yeah, on a person yeah, yeah. But it's like all of these polyp mouths have a gamete bundle in them. And it's like, it looks like a whitehead essentially. And then you just like keep watching them because shortly after that, they release the gamete bundle from their mouth. And it looks like it's snowing. It's like, (laughs) it's like upward snow underwater. And so all the gamete bundles float to the surface. And then our scientists and interns will um, take little pipettes and pipette up the gamete bundles and put them mm-hmm. in a falcon tube and then they'll take them upstairs to the dry lab and that's where where they will mix and fertilize the gotcha and yeah. create new babies yeah yeah so it's a fun time around the lab it's yeah. cool. cool stuff to watch yeah it's cool yeah what about you um i didn't do a whole lot this week i uh, had a very long car ride with my boss we talked a lot about stuff which was nice um that's when I yeah. also got to get Panera <laughs> so fun what'd you get um, at Panera did you get some broccoli cheddar soup no I didn't I Ooh. I'm really into their they've got like a lime chipotle lime chicken salad or something okay. like that is really yeah. good and I got the caprese uh uh, panini so it's like um balsamic and tomato and mozzarella and arugula it's really good i love caprese anything yeah I'm down for that so i was feeling summery i wasn't feeling uh soup that day so that's fair it is really, really hot, hot. yeah <laughs> So, but we went to go pick up um, all of my upper coast samples for my black gill project with the shrimp. So, um, so I'm actually going to have some work to do now, which is nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then my brother is going to be here in like three days. Ethan, um, shout out to Ethan. Shout out to Ethan. Um, so, but by the time this episode uh, pops up, it's going to be like, he's going to be gone for like a week or two. <laughs> It's like hi bye. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's why we're doing this podcast recording early because we keep having vacations and having people come in, which is great. Um, because it kind of feels like we're kind of going back to some level of normalcy. Um, yes. And the fact that we're all, you know, vaccinated makes it easier. But um, yeah, so that's uh that's what I'm looking forward to. And we're probably gonna go up to Austin on the weekend to go do some more partying because I haven't partied enough this month. <laughs> I know, right? I need to cut back. 
I was telling my mom, I was like, mom, I have no idea where my money's going. And then I thought about it. And I was like, I think I just came out of the gates pretty hot after getting vaccinated. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. For us is because we went to Hawaii and then we're back for like two weeks and both of our birthdays are right now. Um, mine's going to be next week. So we're going to go out with my brother to celebrate it. Um, yours but, is next week. Yeah. Wait, we talked about this last week. We didn't did. We? <laughs> yeah. Yours is what? The sixth, the 29th, the 29th. Mm-hmm. That's not next week. Yeah, it is. Oh, July. Oh, July. wow. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wowie. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I need to go back to sleep. (laughs) No, my dad's is the sixth uh, of August, actually. (laughs) I need to go back to sleep or get more coffee. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. And Corey's is the 21st. So we're like a week apart, but he's two years years older than me. So it's, you know, but it's nice because we can like celebrate it all together. Yeah, and my birthday is a week after yours. Mm-hmm. But Technically, yeah, it's four days after yours. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, I was looking at next week being like the first week of August. Nope. I was like skipping a week on my calendar. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what is happening? Like, it's not my birthday, so I don't give a shit about next week. <laughs> yes. I'm taking my birthday off. My birthday's on a Monday. I'm taking that day off. I think I'm going to go treat myself to a spa day. Yeah, this is the first time I've I've taken mine off in many years, actually. Yeah. I'm usually just working on my birthday. So, you know, it's, it's going to be nice. And yeah. uh, I actually have an excuse to take it off, too. Well, I typically work on my birthday because I just really don't care. But yeah. I've been, like, really exhausted with work recently. I just mm-hmm. need to look at it. Yep. You know? Yeah. Like last year on my birthday, we went to collect the parent colonies from our field nursery. That's cool. Like that was fun. We were diving, you know, like that's cool, like a cool work day, but it was still just kind of one of those things where it made me sleepy. So, (laughs) yeah. I, like I said, I usually just work and celebrate on the weekend. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So I'm going to be like, I don't know, hungover for another couple weeks. Just just (laughs) ride that train. Like, it's too much um yeah I fine. went on Facebook this morning and there's like a couple local pages where you can ask like questions about what to do locally in the keys mm-hmm. and I logged on to Facebook and my cute dad I like saw that he wrote in like what's happening marathon Florida keys local and tourist like information thing mm-hmm. and he was like my daughter's been living in the lower keys for a couple years now and her birthday's coming up. Do you guys have any ideas of what I can do to like, you know, I would like the spring for an experience for her and her friends. Like, Oh my God. I was like, dad, you're so cute. You probably didn't realize I'd see this, but (laughs) 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 I saw it. It was cute. I was like, Oh, a lot of people said dry tortugas. And he called me while we were just on this call. Uh And I kind of want to be like, I've always wanted to go to the dry tortugas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's like, there. It is pretty. And like with camping at the dry tortugas, you have to like get on that list months in advance, but you yeah. can take like a seaplane over there or like the ferry for a day and it's Just fine. Don't crash. Don't crash. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> Thankfully, we have friends that work at the park. So yeah. I feel like if something were to happen, um, we have the the resources available. Also, it's not negative 48 degrees 
you know, not, but you are crashing in water. So like, if you get knocked unconscious, you're drowning and dying. Fair, fair. So, so just think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and you are on a remote Island. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's so pretty though. My parents went um, for one of their anniversaries and I was so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to camp there. One of our friends um, actually just received the artist in residency job at loggerhead key which is down in the oh, what a dream yeah so he's like a photographer and he's gonna stay down there for the month of august and like do all the photography and stuff down there that's so, like a dream job <laughs> yeah one of my friends was thinking about like surprising him and like going on the sea playing over there and like hanging out for like a day or two yeah but um yeah <clears throat> all right all right good stuff good stuff so if um our listeners want to submit a um, survival story or their own or a survival story of their friends and family. Yeah. Um, so that we're not just talking about ourselves at the top of the podcast for 30 minutes. I really don't mind talking about myself. I mean, I don't fine. either, but you know, for their sake, um, yeah. where can they find us? So on Instagram, you guys can find us at mother nature will kill you podcast. And then on the Twitter, it is M-N-W-K-Y podcast. And then our website is MotherNatureWillKillYouPodcast.com. Yeah. And um, you can listen to us on Spotify, on the Google podcast app, and then also on Apple podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then also on our actual webpage, we have all the podcasts up there as well, as well as all of my episode notes and the pictures um yes so if you want to go check that out go check it out um and if you want to leave us a five-star review on any of those apps that you listen to it'll be greatly appreciated <laughs> yeah we'd like to boost our numbers and um get um kind of recognized by the algorithm and the best way for you to do that and help us is literally just to leave a five-star review if you like the show yes. if you don't shut up and and don't be mean just- it's that saying if you can't say anything nice at all just don't say don't say anything because we don't we don't need negativity in our lives um i'm looking at our page on apple podcast though and we have a five-star rating but we also have had five ratings so (laughs) wait what we have a five-star rating but there's only been five people that have rated us okay but that's 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 five star yeah yeah yeah. But like statistically, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're getting, we'll get there. It's, it's, yeah. you know, we, we started this for fun and we're just seeing how it goes. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Hi, so. Waylon. Puppy Big boy. Stretch. Oh he boy. Does, uh, he does the downward dog stretch into like a plank pose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is Marzi's way of wasting time when she doesn't want to do something or greeting me in the morning and sometimes she does it when I do yoga because she's like me too me too (laughs) so cute um okay well I guess that wraps the show up and we'll see you guys in two weeks so Uh, until next time stay safe but most of all stay curious explorers bye-bye all right I need some fucking coffee I need to call my dad back (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.